Post record. Yeah, awesome. Movie movie. Movie, what was the movie? <laughs> Who remembers the movie? What was that, Dean? I would say, you know, do, do God's love and means loving. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And the week before, what was that about? Oh, Loving others. Lovely. So we have a theme of love. We've been on quite a theme of love as of recently. So we've got loving God. We've got loving others. And tonight, I want to talk about love as well. Um, but I want to talk about it in a, in a really different light. Um, and it's kind of through the lens of through sin, through destiny, through grace, and this kind of thing, like us actually walking out how we were called to, to live as believers and as followers of Jesus. Um, so hopefully it all makes sense soon. Um, as just kind of like a nice segue into it, who just like enjoys a good convicting message? Yeah. Yeah, who doesn't? Anyone that hate a good convicting message? I remember back in the day, though, it was just all about convicting messages not that I feel like any of us really knew what a convicting message was but it was just like you know it's something that would cut you to the heart something that you'd feel bad about it if someone yelled at you it was probably a convicting message so you know it probably was good and so you'd you'd come to church and you'd kind of be like oh am I gonna get convicted today and you're kind of sitting there being like no nah, this he's talking about something else this is not to me and you'd zone out because it wasn't a, a convicting message in inverted commas um, and I feel like uh, like I had my fair share of, of living in that day like <laughs> One time I, I heard this great message that really touched me about like, you know, whether you're more like Peter or you're more like um, Judas, like, you know, in terms of forgiveness and stuff. And so I gave this message at youth, bless Brad's soul. He, he really put up with a lot um, when I was at the youth leading. Um, but um, yeah, I was just like, all right. So at the end of the day, you have to be like, who are you more like? Are you like Peter or Judas? And like I had Bible study boys like, I don't feel like I'm like either of them. You're like, no, you've missed the point of this talk. Which one are you like? Like, you have to fit in one of them because this is how it fit in my head. I was just like, you know, this has to be, I'm cutting you to the heart right now. Like, <laughs> can, repent of your sins. You clearly don't know they're there. Like, and, but it just really never landed on any of them. And so I think, yeah, years later, I, I was taught the value that actually, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that actually convicts. <laughs> and it's not necessarily the person sitting, it's actually not the person sitting up the front in the slightest. That's the one uh, that has the role of convicting. And so really... Um, this is something that's really close to my heart, this topic. And so as we just speak, like this is, I don't want people to feel condemned. Like if there's any message to feel condemned about, it's probably when you talk about sin. Am I right? Like that's usually the message people go like, oh, I feel really bad because the things I've done or because blah, blah, blah. And I just really want you to, to look at this through the lens of everything we've spoken about in the past, through the lens of identity, through the lens of lo God's love, through the lens of everything else. And so we're not talking about sin in isolation from the gospel here. We're talking about sin in light of what Jesus has done. So we're all clear, we're all good. We're all ready to get into this. Lovely. Um, I'm just going to pray to open. Actually, before, does anyone have any cool stories? Just cool stories, like testimonies. It can just be like just things that God's been doing in your life in general. I'm good with awkward silences. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. No one. I'll pray for that. <laughs> Jesus, do something. Uh, <laughs> Go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Totally.
but Jesus gave us um, opportunity at Annie's, Annie's wedding, um, and like Annie and Dan like went after purity um, and holiness before getting married, and like, God honors that, and He was there. There's so many people got really rocked by it, and especially like lots of people who don't know Jesus, who I'm friends with from my um, whole life, um, were there, and um, just like got to have lots of chats with people and stuff like that. Reception room, it's a crazy story, but like the guy. <coughs> Who I grew up with since kindergarten, went to school with him. He basically, like, he basically, his heart was just wide open to the Lord and the Holy Spirit. He worked in his heart mm. for a while, obviously, and um, yeah, he basically was. His heart was open to him, wanting, wanting Jesus. And he kept going, man. At this is the wedding reception. Was I was just explaining to him the gospel and Jesus' love for him, and what Jesus has done to take away his sin, and um. And what he's done in my life, because he can literally see the change. Like he was wigging it, he couldn't understand the change in my life um, because of what Holy Spirit has done. And um, yeah, so basically, he wants a sort of his heart wants a relationship with Jesus, and he wants to come to church with us. That's um, awesome. It's really cool, sovereign God arranging it all. Like we both prayed the sinner's prayer on a year three camp um, at Lake Macquarie. He was just at Lake Macquarie. Heard Tim Giovanelli preaching the gospel there on a servant, like a message of like servant leadership because he goes to ICMS, mm. ICMS and then Tim is the reverend for that or whatever for that. So that was at the same place three years ago. He comes to weddings, so I, I start reminding him about that. He's like, yeah, I do remember that. Then Tori walks straight over, has a prophetic word for him, encourages him and, and it's just spot on. It was incredible. And um, I'm like, yeah, that's Tim's wife. He's like, no way, that's freaking crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, dude, I'm gonna talk to Tim our pastor so then he went and talked to Tim and um yeah he's really encouraged and he really wants this so it seemed like it wasn't like he was just wanting to pray the prayer but he wanted mm. a heart a heart change of giving his life to Jesus and so that's encouraging God that's sick that's so good yeah. awesome glory to Jesus yeah any other cool stories guys or just stories in general like you don't always have to be like cool stories that within seconds of me getting so angry at myself I, I could hear God saying to me no, no this isn't who you were created for and I walked in that I walked in the knowledge that it wasn't what I was created for I still struggled because that old self I just keep dragging him behind her behind <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to, to let, let it go but it was um, but it was really beautiful how I could God now saying to me, no, that's not what you were created. That's not what I created you for. I created you for some greater things, and that's your old self. Mm. So at least now I know that when I do these things, I, I have a stronger voice than the one who wants to condemn me. That's and awesome. Me that, um, that I, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm about. So mm. that's, that's awesome. Special. So good. Mm. And not let me spend weeks I used to spend condemned. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. Anyone else? We have time for one more. I'm going to share a humbling one. Do it. Um, being turned down by people when I've been wanting to pray for them has just been cool. Mm. Like, people not wanting to fire of it. And like, 
so much not about us getting to pray our prayer over them or something, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And like, we've been, actually sh- been able to share with them despite them rejecting the prayer kind of thing, like, because their situations or whatever are good or something, but then they're not receiving the prayer or not wanting to be prayed for and that kind of thing. It's just been, been humbling to be like, it's got nothing to do with us, we're just going to love no matter what and no matter what the response is. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not about us succeeding, getting to pray for someone and our agenda being done. It's just like, it's a privilege to be able to pray for someone because they can encounter God. Like, mm-hmm. I 100% believe that, but it's just like, that's not the point. It's loving them. So totally. It's been cool. That's awesome. And convicting in the process as well. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, jumping off that, what Sim was saying, what is, like, what does walking in love look like? Yeah. What is actually, that's to you guys. The opening to the crowd, what does it look like? On a big scale, on a little scale. Shout it out. On a big scale, seeing others through the eyes of Jesus, or seeing Jesus in others. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wow. What else? I feel like I cleared my throat, so I should just yeah. go right. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>, crazy. <laughs> um, no, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, like probably um, I've been getting smacked with like really just 100% always remembering that you're actually a new creation. Mm-hmm. Like, and not, like that is just such a big, like just different kinds of humans. And that just sounds so weird, but it's yeah. so real. And like remembering that 24-7 when people do that, and it's like, oh, I could do that. Then it's like, actually, no, I can't. Like, I'm not capable because I'm actually this. Like, mm. just being, like, just really seeing new creation as, like, a, like different species of humanity. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's sick. A few more. What does walking in love look like? Fruits of the Spirit. That yeah. In your life, but you're not, like, they're just, they're just part of your life. You don't really think about it. Yeah. They're just there. Yeah. Someone will assault you and it just rolls off. Yeah. What small ways? Real practical things. Go practical. You know, just um, uh, including somebody in um, your conversation, smiling at people, you know. I was going to say smiling. Take after him. (laughs) Being being friendly, you know, just there's different ways to show love, you know. know. Mm -hmm. Just just even little practical things, just even just a small kind of letting somebody in on the road, you know, things like that. It just it just creates a, I think that creates a, a a better atmosphere you know yeah. totally like that. and that's big for him because he's a courier yeah. and so if he's not on time letting <laughs> someone else in's a, a big sacrifice <laughs> um, tipping your barista there's one like like it, there's just so many so many facets of ways that we can love and I kind of just wanted to separate that there's like th- that we're called to to walk in love and that that means that if we're walking in love it means we're not walking outside of love. Like there's a way to live now as a Christian. It's not like kind of like now here's a few cool actions to add to your life, but there's actually now a way to walk. And so I really want to jump into and actually see what is this way to walk now that we're saved, now that we're, we're Christians, how do we actually walk as, as Christians? What does this actually look like? Um, practically, like let's get real practical and especially in the avenue of sin, because I've just, I feel like for me, there's, if you want to grind my gears really quickly, it's to, have something that God considers sin as acceptable in a Christian's life. That is the, the one thing that like, it's honestly, it's bad in a sense because it's so easy for me just to go overboard and, and forget love and all this other stuff and I'm growing and working on it. But it's, it's really just something that absolutely gets at me and eats at me when we see people that 
call themselves believers but live contrary to this word. Um, yeah, and so we're jumping in, and I've got my Bible upside down, so we're off to a real great start. Um, yeah, yeah, this is it's a nice. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. We're going to start in 1 John um, because 1 John's awesome. Um, and it's really black and white if you haven't realized at this point. Um, we've been in it a lot and we're going to continue in it probably for a while. Um, yeah, I have a, a lot of the. I, I hope you guys don't mind me reading the Bible a lot because I have just. Like, I have a lot of it um, because it's a theme that really is prevalent through the Bible. This isn't like a one verse that I found somewhere whilst reading Malachi. It's like, it's. It's really ingrained in the Holy Testament. Um, and so let's just start just about in, let's go to verse 5 and read from onwards. So this is the message, uh, sorry, 1 John 1, 5. 1 John 5. Yep. 1 John 1, 5. Page 1530. Um, for those of you using the same Bible as me. Um, yeah. Um, so, okay, so this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Nate has covered this. God is good. All right. So God is light, no darkness, real, real straight and clear. If we say we have fellowship with him while walking in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Again, really simple and really, really clear. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought already. Um, if, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Wow. My little children, I'm writing, these thing, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only our sins, as for not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way as he walked. How did God walk? Verse 5. Like, is, is there darkness in God? No. no. Is there a little bit? No. Does God stumble a few times? No. So are we called to walk exactly in the same way as he's called to walk? So now we stumble upon this little issue of sin, which ironically is, is not, it's been made at times a very little issue, but it is a, a huge issue. In fact, it's one of the few things that it's like in the Bible that this is the things, like this is the, the war against temptation, against the enemy actually staying true and holding fast because it's he who endures the end will be saved. Like it's that kind of thing that this is what the race is against, that we're casting aside temptations and distractions and pursuing Jesus. So this is what is tough about life <laughs> like this. And this is the suffering. This is um, so much of what makes up a Christian's life, actually saying yes to Jesus in all things and in the practical daily things, because it's really easy to get hyped up and be like, Jesus, I love you, hands waving kind of thing at a conference. Yeah and then getting home and still being angry at whoever. Or like, it's so easy to, to forget, not necessarily forget, but have to have no real transformation in your life. And so like, I so feel that the message of this Bible is transformation. Like that we're actually called out of darkness into light and that we're called, you know, once slaves and now free in Christ. 
we're now slaves to righteousness, slaves to unrighteousness, now slaves to righteousness. That there's kind of this transition that needs to happen. And I feel like all of us are on a journey in that, that we're all being sanctified and we're all walking more and more like Jesus and going towards him. So this isn't like a, you know, I'm at level 20 right now. And if you aren't up to my level, like, mm-hmm. good luck, guys. You should have been here by now. Um, it's, it's not like that at all. It's the, it's the position of your heart to actually see and realize where God wants you to be and be humble and want to pursue that wherever you're at. Um, I think um, Mark Driscoll back in the day, he, um, there were some people who come up and complain about him because they found some people smoking outside the church who were saved. And they're like, what are they doing smoking outside the church? And he's like, oh, what were they smoking? They're like cigarettes. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. You should have seen what they were smoking last week. And it's this kind of like, it's this transformation. It's not this judging thing. It's this, we're going on this transformation actually to be more like Jesus and see where we we're going. And it's not like a, you know, I'm not judging your life because of how I see it. I'm partnering with you because we both have the same vision and that vision is the likeness of Jesus. And that's what we want to pursue together wherever we're at. Mm. And so the big issue in the new Testament isn't the, Oh, I stumbled. It's the, my eyes are off Jesus and I'm actually justifying what I'm doing and making that. Okay. That is the issue that the issue isn't dude. I'm struggling with this and you know, it's really hard and and like I just need help that isn't the person to you know That's not the the conundrum the conundrum is the person who's in it and goes well, you know what? Here's ten reasons why it's okay. Well, you know, what? we're always gonna sin. Well, you know what? Blah 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 blah. Jesus didn't really mean it. Here's some you know whatever like whatever you want to put into it to actually justify Yourself in that place. That's the danger that is the issue here. Um, and so we're just going to jump in. Um, cause I don't know if you've noticed, cause this verse gets quoted a lot, but in a, a different context. Um, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. Uh, sorry, fellowship with one another. That's funny. We're actually fellowshiping with one another if we're in him. Um, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. So it's talking about sin and it's talking about sins. And it's not a contradiction. It's not him trying to repeat himself. He's talking about two separate things. The first thing he's talking about is identity. So the first thing is if we say we have no sin. So where do we come from? Were we all one sinners? Yeah, yeah that's pretty clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That was our inherent identity. We were sinners. Um, if we say we have no sin, like there was no, if we're in us, oh no, we're a pretty good person, that kind of thing. Then the truth is not in us really plain and simple. But what's the solution to that? The solution to being a sinner is not what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. It is, but we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So the cure from having a sinful identity is walking like Jesus. It's not repentance. It says, if we confess our sins, our actions, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So now that the truths come to us and we sin, like we actually physically do something, this is an action, that's forgiveness, that's repentance. Dude, I did this, I messed up. Then that's when Jesus forgives us. So it's actually talking about two different things. It's, It's the issue isn't necessarily Sorry, let me just get some water. And <laughs> is this making sense for starters? Yeah. Yeah. Um, please ask questions if this is the case. Um, so the, the goal 
of Christianity is step one to not just call ourselves children of God, it's to walk as Jesus walked. And that will be the sign that we're no longer sinners. Like that's the, the, the outward, that's the fruit almost of the, the fact that we've had a cha- transformation. We walk as Jesus walked. And if we sin, like at any point in time, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But it's still, it's not, it's not one or the other. It's, not, it's okay to walk in darkness, but still ask Jesus' forgiveness. Step one is walk like Jesus. It's to walk in the light as he is in the light. And the goal is, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you sin, there is an advocate, Jesus Christ, the propitiation for our sins. And the word propitiation means literally take away your sins. So it's not just like, oh, let's just clean them up. Let's do it. He's taking away your sins. And so the goal is that you aren't sinning. But if you do, God's... Man, I can't speak right now. I need a... Sorry, you're saying something, Kathy. While I recover my voice. In my verse, he is the that's awesome. Yeah. So Jesus is there to forgive us our sins. 100%. We have this calling to walk like Jesus and not walk in the ways of the world. Does that make sense? We're all good. Like, I just... I think you should address the, like, the, almost the counter argument with how people analyze the verse of have no sin. Because people are like, oh, so are you perfect? Yeah, cool. You know what I mean? Um, <coughs> this lie from the enemy where it's like they're trying to get you to admit... Pretty much people asking the question like, oh, so since you've been born again, you've never sinned. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. their angle is, I need to judge you and put you in the place that you actually are still a sinner because yeah. you've sinned since totally. you've been born again. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. My first response to that is, listen to Nathan's talks. Um, because it's not, a sh- it's not a short answer. Like, I could stay here for the rest of the night and talk about this, but we have covered it. Um, but very briefly, it's like... Regardless of whether you believe you're still a sinner or not, the word of God is still your calling is walk in the light as he's in the light. So whether you label yourself, hey, dude, I'm just still a sinner plodding along. It's all, well, you know what your calling is to walk in the light as he's in the light and in him there's no darkness. That's still your calling. That's, that's, there's no way around that. Like, I 100% I agree that it's an identity shift in Romans 6 and you read that and most of the New Testament, it all backs it up. But I just, I feel like if I'm going to jump into that, it's going to be like, I, like two hours long. Is it, if anyone has specifically that question, listen to the talks. <laughs> like seriously, listen to the talks. Um, Nathan's done a great job of breaking down. Have you? I just want to clarify. I feel like you have. Good. Anyone else want to vouch that Nathan's done a good job of answering that question? Yeah, seriously. I was just wondering if you, if say I'm a citizen of addiction, I'm yeah. smoking. Mm. Yeah. What would you say about that? Like, you just can't help but do it. Yeah. Because of the addiction, whether it be any type of addiction. Obviously, you see that's an example. Yeah, totally. That's my, that's my own thing. Um, how, what do you say about that? When, when you ever see any type of cigarette, you know, you're sinning. Why mm. you confess that each time or, or? Totally. That's a great question. Um, to, I really want to, I'll jump into that later, hopefully. And if not, remind me. Because yeah. I really, I plan on it. Um, but the short answer is like, it starts with identity. It starts with knowing who you are. It's actually like, you know what, this isn't, this isn't good for me. This isn't right. But I want to actually, it's aiming at God. God, I thank you for this. I thank you that I'm, I'm free. I'm thank you that, um, who you made me that for using cigarettes as an example, that, that cigarettes have no power. They have no hold on me. Jesus, we just, I pursue you. I love you. And you just get into the word more and more and read it. And it's actually something that you just get 
get people to help you with. Man, like some things fall off like this. A hundred percent believer, like praying for addictions and I've seen them break. I've seen also addictions in my life <coughs> that never broke, that have been prayed for for years and years. And it's just like, you know what? There are still struggles. But the issue, the issue isn't in whether you're struggling or not because the Bible promises that if that temptation doesn't come, another temptation is going to come. It's learning who you are in it and learning how to stand up against it. Um, and I think that's, it's something that Jesus honestly it teaches and grows inside of you as you seek to be more like him. And I, and I think the honest question that you really have to just pray constantly is, Jesus, make me more like you. I really want you. I want you. And re or even if you can't really honestly say that, like, I want to want you. Help me want you more. Help me want you better than cigarettes. Help me have this desire for you or for purity or for the thing that you're struggling with. Because it's like, he's a good father and he wants to give you good gifts. But at the same time, through every trial and temptation, you're actually growing and you're growing to be more like him. That's the goal of every temptation and trial. And it's like whether you stuff up or at, at a point, that's, that's not the issue. It's how you get back up and actually pursue Jesus every single time that you're actually like, no, Jesus, you know what? You know I didn't want to do that and, and we're pursuing you and I just, I love you and I thank you so much for, for forgiveness, for being my atoning sacrifice, for actually taking away my sin and loving me unconditionally and everything. Um, and at the end of this, I'd love to, for people, especially in sin, do if, we, if you're struggling with anything, like let's get around each other and pray. Um, because James 5, man, if we confess our sins to one another, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all righteousness and there's healing in that. Um, and so 
Like I may have just blended two word, two scriptures together, so I'm sorry if I did that. <laughs> but it isn't somewhere in the it's saying similar things. Actually, let's pray and, and partner with one another to help one another because we're not in this alone. We're actually loving one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're in fellowship. Um, so if I had one point already, it would be, do we see there's a distinction between actually following Jesus and living in the world? That there's actually a call not to live in the world and not to love the things of the world? Um, because this is like, it's, it just, it's difficult for me because I see in a lot of areas, like, I feel like I just have a heart that hates sin in a lot of areas that just, I don't know where I came from, probably Lois, um, probably inherited her, her righteous anger (laughs) that that was passed on to me. Um, no, I'm I'm kidding. She's lovely. Um, but it's very, it's very true. Um, she's one of those women that I just know that has like, this is right. This is wrong. And this is like, not in a, in an unloving way, but it's like, there's no, there's no excuse that would cause her to break a boundary and accept something that was wrong. Um, that's something that's very admirable in her. You're not too bad, Tony, yourself. Yeah. (laughs) They're my parents, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, and so, um, yeah, so it, for me, it's like I look just it, like, do we do we understand um, the importance of not walking in sin? Like, is there just do we understand like the significance of what it actually looks like not to walk in sin and the reasons why God calls us not to walk in sin? Because I feel like there's just sometimes such a disconnect in the church in certain areas, not always like, you know, murder is murder whether you're a Christian or not Christian, it seems like, you know, oh, I'd never murder someone, cool. But what about porn? What about, you know, lying, lying gossip? What about um, bitterness and unforgiveness? Like there's things that some Christians are like, no, it's okay, I'm going to hold on to this one. But, you know, other sins are terrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, it, it's true. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and there's, there's this calling in the Bible for us to actually walk pure from all unrighteousness and walk in it um and it's just for me i just want you to if i wanted you to go over something it's to realize one how god views sin because if you know how god views sin then you'll understand the grace and the love that god actually went to to forgive you of your sin because jesus said you know he who loved uh, who's been forgiven much loves much um and it's not saying that some have been forgiven more like you know nathan got forgiven of a lot i just got you know i just need a little forgiveness um to cover my life but it's actually that maybe let's just using me and nathan as an example nathan's actually just understood what he was forgiven of and i haven't that's the thing and so often it looks like you know you see todd white who is a drug dealer and hating life and you know threatening to kill people and being all punk like and whatnot and so when he was saved by jesus he knew he knew the depth and weight of his sin and what it was causing on people and so there was such a radical transformation because he saw that change and he knew this is not what I wanted to be when he be- got saved. But so many of us, we don't understand, especially myself, we don't understand what we've actually been saved from and what it costs Jesus to actually purify us from our sin. And when God says, now walk in this because I literally died so you would stop gossiping <laughs> and walk free of that. Yeah. We're like, I, I don't get it. Like, I'm just you know, it's prayer. Like, I'm just praying for the person. I'm loving, I'm sharing my heart with someone, but it's like, just, it's gossip. Like, or it's slander or it's, you know, the Bible says that we're to respect leaders in authority. It's like, when's the last time I heard something positive about Malcolm Turnbull? Like, or any prime minister that's ever been in Australia. Like, but that's, 
in the word and that's what I was called to do. I was like respecting your parents, like all the, like obeying your parents, <laughs> like all these little things that we just so take for granted that it's, we just live worldly in so many areas and don't understand. When I say we, I'm just saying like, this is, I'm reflecting a lot on myself. So it's not necessarily you. It's not saying every single person in this room, you do not obey your parents. It's just a, it's a word from God. Like that's, that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm just using that generally. So bear with me. Um, before you're like, I can't remember the last time I did slander against my parents. Um, yeah, so it's, that's, that's the, the calling to walk righteous. And so I feel like we get to this place because we haven't understood salvation properly. Um, we've heard the prodigals. How many people love the prodigal son? I actually cry when I read the prodigal son. I know it's, it's cute, um, but it's, like, <laughs> it's just, it's so... It's so real to me, the Father's heart in that. And like God's shown me, like God's almost shown me. They're just, they're having their own time. It's okay. Um, God's really, he's shown me beyond like what's just written, if that makes sense. Like actually the Father's heart behind what the Father actually went through to accept this son back and the love that he actually had for him. And it is so easy to be like, man, like the prodigal son, such an amazing story of God's love, him turning away because, you know, whatever came back, awesome. There was no consequences. And, you know, I feel like I'm the prodigal son every week. Like, like, oh man, like it's just another prodigal son moment for me last night at Manly. Like, you know, getting smashed and, you know, now I come back to Jesus and he restores me with open arms. And then next weekend I did the same thing. And, you know, it's a good thing on Sunday, he restores me with open arms. And next day, but it's like, it's a, I'm okay with it kind of thing. And we never understood the passage before it, which was the cost of discipleship, which is like, you better be prepared to, to lay down your life and hate everyone before you accept the kingdom. And we're just like, oh yeah, Jesus, like, you know, I just love running back to you. And like, I'm not saying that his arms aren't wide open. I'm not saying there isn't forgiveness or anything like that, but it's kind of like this, we forget what we were supposed to surrender before actually coming to him. Like God told me, I don't know, how biblical this is necessarily, but I feel like he really put on my heart that it's like, I can only fill you to the, the amount you'll empty yourself. Mm. And it's like, if you don't give up anything, you're not going to receive anything. Mm. It's like, you have to give up your life to receive life. Mm. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, so like it, it is this thing that we actually have to give up our life to receive Christ's life. We can't hold on to our life and everything we enjoy doing and walk and be like, you know, Jesus, yeah, I'll take you too. Just, you know, get on my back and we'll be fine. Like, I've still got my life and everything else. Like, it's, it's so not that. Like, I remember people talking about like, you know, where's Jesus on your priority list? You know, you got like friends, you got family. Like, is Jesus your number one priority kind of thing? And it's just like, you better scrap that list because Jesus better be the only thing on that yeah, list. Yeah. And there better not be anything underneath that. Like, it better be like, priority one, Jesus. Priority two, Jesus. Priority three, Amen. walking in righteousness. Priority four, Jesus. Like, it's like, it literally needs to be that extent. Like, it's not like, you know, there's Jesus and like works a real close second. Like some days I just confuse the two some It's just like, that really shouldn't be happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, Can I say something just super quick? That the word priority is initially never had a plural because it only is supposed to be one. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. There you go. No more list writing. That thing is out the window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to. It's a good world. Yeah, we're not meant to. Actually, since you say that, I really want to turn to Romans 6. 
um, because it's an awesome passage and it hasn't been preached to death. I'll just point that out. Um, <laughs> um, we're okay, here we are. Let's, we'll read a few verses before. Um, we'll just read from the start because why not? Uh, <coughs> Romans 6, page 1406. Um, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might abound? By no means. That's a real great thing. One, because it means that as the worse you are off, there's actually more grace for you, which is amazing that there's always enough grace to cater for wherever you're at. But that doesn't mean you continue sinning because there's grace and forgiveness. By no means. Great answer. How can we who have died to sin still lived in exactly what Kathy's talking about? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in newness of life. By this we have united in... We have, for if this... I can't even speak. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So that you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God. Exactly what Kathy was saying. That's actually, Sin was saying as well, this is an identity shift. You're actually dead to sin, alive to God. This is what happens when you sign up for be a Christian, dead to yourself alive to God. It was the paperwork when you signed, when you <laughs> gave your life to God, that it was actually like, this is my covenant with you. Like we really, imagine if you actually had that in person, you had that up on your wall saying, I actually signed my life away to Jesus. Mm. And let that always be the reminder for you that you actually gave it up. And in those terms in the contract was this, yeah. I died with Christ, I'm now alive with him. Mm. If there was no death with him, there's no life in him. Um, the next verse, I feel this is very much the key what Kathy was talking about. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, as members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are no longer under the law but grace. <clears throat> will sin have no dominion over everyone here? Or is that a conditional line? Does that make sense? Sorry. Um, so when it says, for sin will have no dominion over you, what is it talking about? It has no power over it. Yeah. It's the, the key... I, I'm not phrasing the question properly. Um, that's okay. You are correct. Is it automatic? Yeah, is it automatic or is it actually a condition? That's the, what I'm getting at. Is there a way that something that we have to do to walk this out? Yeah. 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 It's in, the key is verse 12 and 13. This is why I'd never be good as a teacher. <laughs> I'm glad I gave up that profession. <laughs> Thanks, Ange. I was just saying that for the compliment. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was. Did anyone see? Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That is exactly the key. Sin will have no dominion on you when you don't give yourself to sin. As in like, um, like a guitar or like yeah, don't, don't, 
the cajon. Um, don't present yourself as a cajon of unrighteousness, is what it's saying. Um, it's, don't, don't get played by another. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's good, though. Um, <laughs> well done. What it's saying is, when it's saying as an instrument of unrighteousness, it's not talking about don't sin. It's don't actually let yourself be controlled by sin again. That that is when sin will have no dominion over you. Exactly. When you actually present yourself back as unrighteous. So when Christ died, he died so that you no longer walked in unrighteousness, that you were righteous, holy, blameless, above reproach. And then he's like, now that you've been made this, don't walk back in it. Because then you'll be under sin's dominion again until you come back to me. Like, that's the issue that it's like people are like, oh, you know, I'm set free from sin. I'm set free from sin, but they're walking in sin. And they're like, oh man, but I'm struggling this, but I'm telling myself I'm set free from sin. But it's actually like, no, you you're, repent and walk and stop presenting yourself as vessels of unrighteousness, as instruments of unrighteousness. Yeah, Dan Moller says that it's a mindset. Totally. It's a, it's a decision you have to make mm-hmm. and, um, and walk in that decision. Totally. Like the, the battle's all up here. It's if we want to be transformed. Does anyone remember the verse? How is it that we're transformed? Yeah. By the renewing of your mind. Like, I'm just praying like, God, transform me, transform me, transform me. He's like, renew your mind already. Yeah. Like, <laughs> step one. <laughs> like, there's a lot of funny verses in the Bible that we're like, I can't wait to be transformed. But it's like, we aren't going to actually pay attention to the step to get transformed. Mm. Because it was something that we we're called to walk in. How do you renew your mind? Man, does anyone know where that is? Let's just open to it. Yeah, Romans 12. Let's just read that. That's good. Loving the questions. I wasn't prepared for all of these. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of our God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that the testing may be... uh, That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do you renew your mind? By not being conformed to the world, by not accepting that it's the ways it does things, its mindsets, its patterns, the thing that it says it's cool, that is not you anymore. Mm. By um, becoming more intimate with God. Yeah, by pursuing Jesus. your relationship with God. Yeah, the first thing is... Reading the Word. Yeah, reading the Word. That's how you do it. You read the Word, Mm. spend time with Him and read His Word. Totally. It says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. So it's actually... God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm not the world's. I'm yours. Yeah. Teach me. Show me. Grow me. Make me more like you. I really want that. Pursue God. And that's when your mind gets transformed because your eyes fix on him. Mm-hmm. Your eyes not like one eye is kind of on the world being like, well, that's kind of cool. And one eyes on Jesus like, Jesus, you're also kind of cool. It's not that kind of duality. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> also turn the mind of Christ as well. So the more we fixate on Jesus' life and the way he perceives and thinks, yeah. the more our mind will, will be what Paul says we actually already have. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's like none of the things that are are like everything's open and available to you. There's nothing that God's like, you know, well, you can't get this, um, or only some people can get this. Everything's open and available for everyone. It's if we step into it. It's that's the the key. The key isn't isn't like oh, actually no. I'm just leaving it at that. The key is stepping into the things that God has for you. Um, lovely. Um, I've Exactly. Totally. I wish you said that loud. I'll have to try to repeat it. Yeah. Um, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. How about that? Yeah. If you don't know the truth, you're not being set free. 
Um, does that mean you're not a Christian? No, you can be a Christian and not understand the truth and still be in bondage and captive because you aren't in here and you're not reading and actually getting into it. Um, and if you need help with that, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Totally. The Holy Spirit's there. He's the one that's there. Tell you what to do, what to read and what to say. Help us. Awesome. Um, yeah, I lost my other train of thought. Sorry. That's okay. You can just keep going. <laughs> Do you want to take over? You can have them. <laughs> like you said, the truth sets you free. Like, I love that so much. But like sometimes people get confused about what is the truth. And like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Like mm. it's, it's by meditating and renewing your mind by looking at the life of Jesus, looking at Romans, looking at the scriptures we're going through right now, 1 John and all that, and actually letting it stoke into your being and living it. Declaring mm. it. Totally. Day. Like actually it's a daily thing. Todd was mm. saying um, in the power love thing, that um, be careful, do not let your, um, your guard down for even a second. Mm. And that's what they're always, they're just keeping their heart guarded, you know, because if you don't let, if you're not continually following the truth, <coughs> the truth, one second and you can be giving yourself back to the devil, you know. Yeah. Totally. It's so important. So yeah, looking at Jesus' mm. life and actually just soaking it. Yeah, totally. Um, man, like, <sighs> sin is like, this whole thing, the reason, like, does anyone know why we're not called to walk in sin? Like, why is, is it's okay? Like, why it's not okay for us to actually have two lives? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm all these things, but I'm still walking, you know, in a little bit of sin. Because we're made in the image of God and sin is the opposite of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. Anyone? As in, like, this, yeah, that's so true. It's simple. Yeah. <laughs> and there's more as well. It's like, what did sin, like, what is sin? Like, it's the antithesis of God. Like, it's the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. Like, what does sin do to us? <laughs> yeah. Kills you. That's a really good answer. So what happens if like, you sin, and like, it's getting back to what I said before, like mm. addiction. Mm. And like it's addiction, so you just can't sort of help it because of addiction. And then you like fall into condemnation, all this type of stuff. I mean, how do you, how do you avoid that sort of making it twice as bad? Totally. I'm going to jump to that at the end. Yeah. My last point is redemption, which I'm going to get there. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Sin, like, yeah, sin kills you. Yeah. You're jumping too far ahead. <laughs> like, sin, like, do we understand that sin literally cost Jesus his life? Like, it literally, it doesn't just, it separates from God 100%, but it, what happens if you're sinning against someone else? Like, you're not just killing yourself, you're, actually, you're not destroying yourself, you're actually destroying others around you. Sin is destructive. And I think it, it, as well, we forget that sin actually affects the people around us yeah. and our lives affect the people around us. Like, Nath, you, last week you said, I can't remember, 1 John somewhere, where it was like, um, that when w- the people will know that we're Christians by the way we love one another. Yeah. So does that mean if we're not loving one another, they won't know we're Christians? Christians. Yeah, totally. But can they just get this deformed image and then to try and repaint that painting is just merely impossible to an unbeliever. Like, mm-hmm. they become hypocrites. Yeah. yeah. And so does that mean that it makes it easier or harder for people to see God if we aren't walking in love? Which one? Harder. Harder, thank you. <laughs> um, so can, can we see the effects of sin? That it's actually, if we're not walking in righteousness, it actually is so much harder for other people to actually see Jesus through us. Wow. That it's like the way we portray ourselves reflects God. 
the people that are in your life, God has trusted in your life that you'd actually be a, a good witness and light to. Wow. Like it's not, they're not there for fun and giggles and banter. Yeah. It's like, that's like, yeah, they are. They're there. We love banter <laughs> with friends. Um, but it's like at the core of it, God has actually trusted, entrusted you friends and family that you would steward them. And it's like how you live your life is it going to directly affect their eternity. Does that make sense? <laughs> and it's going to directly affect how they are going to be. Peter, when um, just after Jesus says, you know, uh, who people say I am, and Peter's like, dude, I think you're the, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. Well done. Jesus, uh, God did. And Peter's like, sick, super stoked. And then the next passage, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go get crucified. And Jesus is like, and Peter's like, no, nah, you're not getting crucified. Oh, that's a dumb idea, Jesus. Like, <laughs> far be it that you ever say that. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block in front of me. That Peter actually was a temptation to Jesus because of the way he was thinking. Like, we're talking Jesus here, that Jesus was tempted by the devil, that kind of thing. That Peter actually, like, Jesus had the opportunity to say, you know, Peter, actually, that sounds really nice. That sounds like, that's, like, that actually sounds like a good idea because I really personally don't want to die. But, but Jesus was actually like, Peter, you don't get what you're saying. You are actually now a temptation to me. And when we're not actually walking in this word and truth, we're actually temptations to our brothers and stumbling blocks. Like, we, this is, like this, it's imperative that we get it right. And I'm not talking about being honest and be like, hey guys, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being like, I'm up the front. I'm right. Like, even like, I'm right in this. Like, you know, it's okay to get drunk because it's X, Y, Z or something like this. And actually now new Christians are like, oh, if he's doing it, is it okay? Or even me believing twisted theology or something like that, or it's, you know, maybe it's okay to sleep with your fiance, or maybe it's okay to do this, or maybe it's fine. And all of a sudden it's like, what are we actually portraying to our brothers and sisters? Like what, the, what life are we portraying to them? The youth that we led once upon a time, like, and I'm not saying there's no redemption for that. And, and we, you know, because a lot of us have struggled, like, you know, I've been a stupid youth leader at times um, and lived it like, what I feel in a lot of areas, not what God really intended in a, like a lot of friendships looking back in the past. Cause I just, I wasn't there in Christ. Like I just honestly didn't understand him like I do now. And looking back, it's like, man, I wish I could change that, but thank God that there's redemption and everything. And we'll jump onto that later. So this isn't like a, a condemning thing for your past, but it's looking at your present right now and going, man, is there areas that I'm not actually walking like Jesus that I'm pretending to walk like Jesus, but actually betraying something that isn't God that my actions are being completely contrary by the way um, I am. Like, so for example, um, I think praying for people, like praying for the sick is a real big one where it's like, let's just say I'm going, like I felt this, you go like, oh, can you go pray for someone? You feel it on your heart and you're like, oh, I'm really scared. And the person next to you is like, oh, we should pray for someone. You're like, oh, like, you know, I just don't feel like it's the will of God. I feel like it's like, and you actually make up like a spiritual excuse to cover up the fact that you're afraid or to cover up the fact that you don't want to be honest with them. And now they'll be like, oh no, now that maybe there is an excuse why I shouldn't go up and pray for someone when God puts it on my heart. Like are we seeing what, like it's, it is just such a danger for us to walk in, in dishonesty and anything counter to this. I just so want a generation of Christians to walk like Jesus in every way, uncompromised, but completely honest that this word is what's life. It's not popularity. It's not the, the next cool sermon message or whatever it's not the whatever it is it's like if we want to walk in love we actually have to walk like jesus and walk in the light as he's in the light and like a friend 
uh, said it quite well, you know, it's not about walking perfectly, it's about walking in repentance. And so that we're actually transparent when we fail is another really big one. And being able to reconcile to one another and be like, dude, you know, I messed up. Let's, let's reconcile. Let's show other people that we reconcile. Let's know. So we actually get in a community that knows how to forgive one another as well. That it's like that we're, we're looking out for one another and we're looking out. It's not in a, a, a way that we're like, we're all judging one another. Like, man, who's next to stuff up? Because um, I really want to get them. But we're actually coming alongside someone. When we see a destructive behavior, we actually want to help them. Because it's 100% man. If someone has a, like an eating disorder in a community, like, or like it, I would hope that close friends would come around them and actually help them and aid them and pray for them and bless them. And it's just like, bless you, brother. I've prayed for you. You're, you're healed now. Awesome. And it's like, it's not that kind of thing, but we actually have people willing to step up and be humble and come around someone and that person be humble enough to actually change. Yeah. I just have heard too many stories of Christian leaders and Christian people going off the rails and doing all sorts of wacky stuff and the church completely supporting it whether it's, you know, divorcing and marrying someone else or, you know, divorcing your husband and marrying another woman and or these weird things that the church is like, oh, it's so brave of you to step up and so brave of you to do this and like, we should just accept them and we should, like, I'm not saying anything like, I'm not trying to bash homosexuals or anything at, at this point. What I'm saying is there's actually a standard that we need to live by in this word and it's like divorce isn't okay. Like there's no, like there's there's one excuse in the Bible if you want to use that excuse, but it's like if Jesus forgave me of a lot of things, I probably should forgive my spouse of just as much, like kind of thing. Like there's there's so many issues that aren't okay in the Bible that we normalize in the church. Man, it's like getting smashed is never okay. There's like 20 times it says in the Bible that you don't get drunk. It's like sexual sin is not okay. Like Ephesians 5, it says that. I'm jumping to Ephesians 5 right now because this is a good one. Um, like these are all the verses that I've never ever heard preached at church um, because they're the, they're the ones that sound really like like the law in inverted commas. Like they're like, oh, you know, don't do this. Do that. And you're like, oh, I feel like I'm in the Old Testament again. I better skip to the page before it. That sounded real new covenant. Um, um, Corinthians 5 it says, therefore be imitators of God. Yeah, we're all like, that's amazing. As children of God walk in love and we're like, sweet. What does it look like? Let's just stop there. Um, it says, but sexual, <coughs> sorry, uh, Ephesians 5. Yeah, from one. Um, it says, walk as love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. Real awesome pump up verse. We love it. We're children of God. Sweet. Next one. But sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper for the saints. Let there be no foolish or filthiness uh, or filth. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. For these are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For this... <laughs> For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or who <clears throat> uh, covets, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for, the, for because of this, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not partner with them. Um, for you once were in darkness, but now you're in light. Walk as children of the light. And it, it goes on. So this, it's actually like, let's, like, we can't, one, we can't deceive one another of what the Bible says about certain issues. And we certainly can't deceive ourselves what the Bible says about certain issues. I'm talking about, it all starts with in here and it starts about being honest. We're not tackling actions first. The problem with the church is we tackle actions and try to suppress them, but it actually doesn't change our hearts. We need to start inside with us and then that actually overflows into our actions in life. Sorry, um, I'm 
Speaking of selfish. Yeah, dude, go crazy. I gave my life about a week ago. And I, was, mm. and I was just wondering, in context of what you're talking about, <clears throat> like when you're gripped with anxiety and panic, mm. what you, like, for example, in my case, I, I realised I had a total reliance on the radio. Mm. And um, like a real sort of, I know it sounds quite crazy, but a real reliance on it. Mm. And I sort of realised that the reliance on the radio is a lot really strong and just Chris with anxiety and panic that I have to give it up or, mm. or I, I don't even know what to do about that but I mean how do you how would you suggest to deal with the like the anxiety and panic when you didn't even think it was a sin yeah totally man and then you realise all of a sudden like that it is a sin and because it's like it's so ingrained that mm. I mean you just get so anxious about because you're so reliant on it, like the radio, for example, okay, so how, how would you deal with that? 100%. Um, that's a really great question. Um, how do you, like, when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, like, it's, He convicts the world of unrighteousness and sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He tells you, He whispers in your ear, hey, you know what, this actually isn't what you're supposed to be doing, or this is actually reveals it. And the, the panic and anxiety usually is from the enemy being like, oh, <laughs> we got found out. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. trying everything it can to actually hold a grip. So it starts with here, it starts with truth. It starts with, once again, thanking God, God, actually, I don't need a reliance on this. I so thank you that you've actually called me into newness of life and all this kind of stuff. And it's, there's so many verses on the Bible about peace, about um, casting your anxieties on God. How about when that comes, actually giving it to God, being like in everything, in prayer and supplication, offering it to God, being like, God, this is how I'm feeling right now. I know you didn't make me to feel like this. Um, Help me or thank you and, and praise Jesus and all these things. Like that's all, that's what you do in the moment. Oh, well, that's what I feel I do in the moment. And another thing is, what happens if you can't help it? Like, mm. you just, you just, you know, like, you can't help it because, mm. like, you've always done it. And, mm. and you just, you just can't help it, like, you know. Yeah, totally. Happens? It's such an identity thing. It's that you, like, you realize that the man who always used to do it, he died. Mm. And so when that same desire comes back that you always want to do, like, oh, no, that was actually the other guy. That was old Dean. Old Dean's six feet under. This is New Dean. New Dean, new Dean doesn't do that. New Dean remembers that Old Dean loved to do it, but man, New Dean's new. New Dean likes the things of God, and it's reminding yourself that. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's so much like that. It's awesome, and, and that goes that. Yeah, amazing, and that goes for really any addiction and really any sin. It's actually understanding the lie in it. It's like, what is the lie? Like, the lie in porn. What's the lie in porn? Like, like intimacy, that you don't understand intimacy properly, that you actually crave um, affection or you crave, um, you know, people actually wanting you because maybe you feel that you're inadequate or insecure or that you'll never be loved or anything. It's not just like a, a weird, like we just, we categorize and put such shame on, especially porn and stuff, but it's like, it's actually like there's, there's lies going on that you need to fix. It's not just a, man, I'm gonna throw my computer off a building, um, which it's better than cutting your hand off, but um, <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Um, and so it, it's still like, it's this, you actually have to fix the lie. You have to understand, and that's bringing Jesus into every moment. And actually being like, Jesus, I really don't wanna do this. I really, I really don't wanna be talking about this person like this, but I find that I can't help it. What's the lie? Maybe the lie is for gossip that actually you just, you desperately crave to be the center of attention. You desperately crave to, to actually to know things because everyone else seems to know things and you never seem to be the person that, of, 
that knows things or be that's a focus of a conversation and maybe that's just you just want to be noticed and it's like what's the lie fine like there's such a, a lie in that and that's actually when you reveal that when you shine light on that issue it all of a sudden becomes far less of a struggle especially with temptation, the Bible promises that there's a way out. So there's never an opportunity, regardless of how addicted you may feel, there's always a way out. Mm. Always. 100% guarantee. He, he did it. There was a way out. And the, like, so it's also in the moment, find those, actually seek them, because oftentimes you're like, you know, I'll just ignore this and hope there's another one down the track. Like, or like, be, like it's just so about, like God promises you that you can succeed in not sinning, in not deliberately sinning. That there's, when the temptation comes, that you actually have the opportunity to resist the devil. You have the opportunity to flee from sexual immorality. You have the opportunity to find the escape in that temptation. You have the opportunity to use the word to combat the enemy. There's always an opportunity, but we just need to see it in all things and actually see the importance of walking in purity. Because man, like, like, especially with young people, I think you, like, you don't necessarily understand the impact that porn has on a marriage. Wow. Like, you, it's because you're not married. But for married people, all of a sudden, actually... Yeah, like it, it clicks the actual significance of you envisioning yourself or the other person cheating on someone. That's like a huge thing. But as a single person, you're like, you know, it's fine. Like that doesn't, it's not cultivating a bad, you know, um, thought pattern in my head, but we don't understand it until you get in that situation. Sorry, I was wondering, what does the Bible say when you, you know as a senior Christian and you choose to sin? Like, yeah. And, and, and you know that it's, it's really against God and you choose to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's not good for starters, um, but it's like, but in seriousness, it's like, that's the, the thing that like we are, there's repentance for that. It really is. That's the, the goal that, you know what? I can clearly say I have chosen deliberately to sin in my day. Um, like it happens and I'm terribly not proud of it. And I hate that the fact that I do it or have done it. Yeah. Seriously, it is, it's forgiveness. Yeah, go crazy. Um, you're just gorgeous. Your humility blesses me. Yeah. You're an absolute mm. treasure. You're an absolute treasure. I also want to say that the Lord's burden is light. It's mm. not yeah, heavy. Yeah. Mm. And so yeah. all this stuff 
You know. So why does it feel heavy yeah. sometimes? Why does it feel heavy sometimes? Why does it feel heavy? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm just getting to that. Oh, sorry. But, <laughs> but if all all this stuff that 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 you're you're hearing and the stuff that you're talking about, it's like, oh man, I need to do that, and I need to do, I need to do. Jesus isn't doing that with you. Yeah. He's just not. He's going. Mm -hmm. Wow, Dean's flipping awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. he's my son. Yeah. It's not it, your, the way that you're thinking is stuff. I need to deal with, and Jesus is going. Just stop that. Just stop it. Just oh, thank you to say that, honey. Thank you. Yeah. Thank just you. come, thank just you. come to me because yeah. my burden is light. Thank you to say But what the way that you're thinking is, it's like going, oh gee, oh, yeah. oh, oh gee, get me out of here. Yeah, but it's it's not. Mine's got to do miles an hour, you know. No, no, I understand, but it's not. Yeah, you hear what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah bless oh, you. Thank you. Preach. Yeah. You're up next week. Um, yeah, that's so true. Um, and the whole point of this isn't that we actually feel condemned and come down to a, a, a list of rules and things that we need to take into our life. Because um, if you read Colossians that it's like all these things that we try to do, like, man, like maybe if I don't eat, maybe if I don't do this, maybe like all these things that we feel like that put stress on our bodies to, to stop us from sinning, they actually don't affect our hearts. And so the only person that affects our heart is Jesus. And so it's not about us. It's about us actually pursuing Jesus. <laughs> It's always, it comes back to love. It's, it's walking in love. Like, and we only do that by being loved. Wow. Like that's, the, that's what happens. And then that transforms our life. If there's no transformation in our life. It's because we haven't actually understood the love of God. Um, wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so, like... It, actually, no, sorry, you can't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Tony. What are your <laughs> the rebuke in love. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I feel you just cut off my life for that rude comment. <laughs> um, I was just also thinking that, like, in what, you know, what Dean's struggling with, um, that God sees we're all individuals. And God sees each one of our journeys, and some of us have had good backgrounds or sort of, you know, come from, you know, good backgrounds. Some of us haven't come from good backgrounds. Some of us have gone through massive hardships in our lives. And when we, and especially those who have come through massive hardships, like are looking at another person who's a Christian and seeing, oh, why can't I match up with where they're at? And when God's eyes, God's saying, Man, you're doing awesome because mm -hmm. you've you you know you're you've gone through all this stuff that they haven't gone through, but you're you're still That's you know persevering. You're wanting to follow me. Mm -hmm. You're loving me. You know you're doing the best you can. You may be struggling in certain things that you can't give up. You may have anxieties, you know uh, things like that. That you know, and God's God's kind to that. You know, He's mm -hmm. He knows where you're at. And he's able to, mm -hmm. you know, give you grace for where you're at and not to, to you know, try to, you know, say, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just really blowing it because every, you know, everyone else looks like they're kind of, you know, they're further ahead and they're being able to not sin and whatever else. And, but I just can't, you know, I'm really struggling in a number of areas. And, you know, I, I just, 
I just feel like we're all on individual lives, and not, and that's not to negate what I mean. What Luke's saying is is very true. That you know, um, to consciously just keep walking in sin, you know, is is wrong. Mm. But when you're struggling and you're trying, and it sounds from Dean, your heart, you know, is yeah, is, is, is mm. hard to want to be pure before God and want to, you know, God sees that. You know, yeah, it's he, so much wrong, eh? But but you know what, God sees as. Yeah, as what you were saying, um, God sees what's right. Yeah, and he's yeah. going, man. He's going, you know, you're doing, you're doing awesome because you know, you, your heart is for God, and even if you struggle with stuff, he's, you know, it's it's cool. You know, I mean, you're, you know, he's, yeah. so, you know, seriously. And remembering, he died for you, so he already sees you as perfect. Mm. Yeah. You know, you've got to remember that. You've got yeah. to remember that. Yeah. He loves you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, I'm gonna, I want to close with this. Um, we're in Luke 14, um, verse 25. And so this is the cost of discipleship, but we're going to read, read past that as well. <sighs> um, starting with verse 25. So... It begins saying, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them saying, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise he will lay a foundation and not be able to fix it. All who see it will mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men uh, to meet him who's come against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is still yet a way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer... Uh, is no use either for the soil or for the manure pile, except to be thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man eats with sinners, uh, sorry, receives sinners and eats with them. We often get caught up in the, the cost of discipleship, and the cost of discipleship is real. This is what Jesus prefaced the gospel with, that it's actually, you have to <laughs> renounce who you are and follow him. But this is the part that's amazing. And this is the part that I want to really show that it's actually about the heart and it's not like it's heart first it's everything's about the heart and actually yearning after god it's not about the, the actions don't justify you it's actually your heart that's where it starts and then it overflows into fruit uh, if that makes sense it says now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him so jesus just said renounce everything you have and you'll never be my disciple and tax collectors and sinners are like yeah yeah i'll do it they're drawing near to him the people that society hated were actually like you know what actually i i want that I want to be near to you. And you just laid down everything that it would cost me. Jesus hasn't even said anything positive. He hasn't said, hey, you'll get this, you'll get this. He just says, renounce everything or you'll never follow me. And tax collectors and sinners are like, yeah. And the Pharisees, the people that should have been following, grumbled, making excuses, saying, this man eats with sinners. And so Jesus turning to the, the sinners, the people that actually wanted him, then he reveals the Father's heart. The people who wanted him, who actually realized the value of him, that's who he presented the Father's heart to. And this is it. And this is so towards like your heart, Dean, and, and so many people who actually struggle with sin, but have such a desire for God. And this is why it's good, because that's, that's where it starts. It's good soil starts so something can grow. 
So he told a parable, what man of you, uh, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one, does not leave 99 in the open fields and go after the one who's lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays, a fa- he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and comes home. He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found what is lost. Just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. This is the heart. God starts showing him his heart. That actually when you come to me, there's joy in heaven. It's not just a, it's not, you're not coming as a slave. You're not coming as a, you thought you were stepping into this. I'll do anything. I've just renounced my entire life for you. Now Jesus says, this is actually my heart for you. I called you so much more than slaves. I'm calling you children. And I, I, there's everyone in heaven is actually rejoicing that you're following me. And then he goes on and he talks about parable lost coin, which is very similar. But I just want to finish on the prodigal son because it is a beautiful story um, of redemption. That it's actually to the people who wanted Jesus, this is the father's heart that he showed him. That God is a father. He didn't reveal this to the Pharisees. That they were present in the room. They were busy grumbling and complaining. He revealed this to the people that actually wanted him and sought after him and go, you know what, Jesus, whatever it takes, I want you. And he says, awesome, I'm here with wide open arms. I'm here to receive you. I'm here to bless you beyond anything you ever dreamed of imagined. But they didn't come to Jesus with the notion of blessing. They came to Jesus laying everything down. And Jesus said, have the kingdom. That is the gospel. That we came to Jesus empty so he could fill our arms. Not that we came to Jesus with all the, our list of requirements for him to fill out. Wow. Man, the power, this is the, <laughs> there was once a man who had two sons and the youngest son of them said, father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. So basically the son says, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this. Um, just because time wise. Uh, so the son, he comes to the father and says, you know what, dad, I, I wish you were dead. Like, give me your money so I can go party. Because frankly, what you have here is just, it's not good enough. I want to go have fun with my friends. And so he takes the father one says, yes. And he sells his property so a property it was like a jewish person's livelihood it was everything that they owned he literally cut his property into thirds because the one son had two thirds how things worked and so he gave a third of all he owned to his son and he said thanks see ya like and left he left for a faraway town far away from his father and spent all of it on frivolous living he partying drugs you name it he blew everything he blew everything he had on absolute wild sin, everything you can possibly imagine. And then he realized something that it actually, it wasn't all it turned out to be because he found that he ran out of money. And he found that not only did he run out of money, but no one, none of his friends stayed with him. None of the friends that he was partying with was like, hey, you know, dude, come stay with me, come crash with me, man. There was no friends. He had nothing. He was left alone. He was left alone by himself to the point where he, the only person who had taken was pig farmers. And they said, go live with the pigs. But you can't even eat what the pigs are eating. You have to just find food in the ground what the pigs are stepping on. Because that was considered. He wasn't even given a wage. He was just left in a pig pen. And he realized something this. And I feel like it wasn't even that profound. He simply realized my father's servants are treated better than I am. I'm just going to go back and ask him if I can be a servant. So he wasn't even thinking sonship. He wasn't even thinking his father's going to redeem him or anything. He's just, I'm just going to come to the father and whatever happens, happens because I know it's going to be better than where I was. And so he steps in. He comes back to the father. And while the father, while he was such a long way off, he saw his father running towards him. And he saw his father running towards him. And he had this speech prepared up. He goes, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Uh, and in your, uh, I've sinned. Let's read this. <laughs> Yeah, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's probably reciting this the whole way. 
Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, I've sinned against heaven. And he's reciting because he knows the second his father is going to come and he's going to fall on his knees and he's going to repent before me. He's going to be like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And he's not even asking for forgiveness. He's just like, I'm, just, I'm acknowledging what I've done was stupid and just, just leave me at least somewhere with a roof above my head and food because that will be better than where I was. And he's reciting and he, he sees his father running and he's like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And his father ignores him. He completely ignores him. And he hugs him and he holds him. And the picture I got was the son reciting. He's like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And the father's like, my son's home. He's like, no, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he's like, servants, come, get him a robe, get him. And the son's like, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's like, bring the fattened calf. Let's kill, let's party. Let's, my son has returned. He once was dead, he's alive. And the son's like, but I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father hasn't even answered his question. He never once even told him anything. He, he just held him. He didn't say anything to him. He just held him and, and treated him as a son. He didn't once bring up any issue that he ever went through. He never once brought up the fact that he gave up his livelihood for his son. He just said a real simple thing. My son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and he was found. The significance is the son that ran away with his money was dead and the son before him was his son like he'd never done anything wrong. That was, this is the, the heart that God reveals to sinners because it all starts with you realizing that anything in the kingdom of God is better than where I am now. That is the first thing you need to, to know about the kingdom of God, that anything, if you think your life here is better than something in the kingdom of God, you can't have God because you'll still try to hold on to this. And you'll still try to hold on to what you want and be like, God, you can come to, and you're like, you've got one hand wrapped around your sin and one hand wrapped around Jesus. And you're realizing that it actually doesn't work. It can't because you'll never be satisfied with the world and you can never be truly satisfied in Jesus because you keep withholding yourself truly from him. Mm. And it's only when these sinners, when Jesus actually said, this is renounce everything. If you want to be my disciple, they realize that renouncing everything and following Jesus was better than the lives they were living. It was better than the tax collecting. It was better than, than prostitution. It was better than getting whatever they were doing. These tax collectors, sinners, these Gentiles, these people that were left out. The outcasts of society said, anything with Jesus is better than what I have in my life. Man, if Jesus just gave me like a roof over my head and left me in the corner of heaven and never spoke to me, that is better than me living the way I am now. That is better than me living in my sin and in my partying and in my what like whatever thing because they've realized that it's you know what it's it's not all that it's cut out to be there's an end to it and it's sometimes we're just too caught up in our sin and we see the high we see we've got all the the money so to speak we're spending it on wild living and that's like metaphorical to whatever you want because we're just so caught up in the the joy of what we're doing that we actually realize the fact that it's going to come to an abrupt end and whether that end is before we reach death or after it's going to come to an end and one day we'll stand before and face judgment if we haven't chosen jesus mm. for what we have done mm. and that hollowness you feel is can only be filled with jesus 100 it's like man no ben juice's testimony that's that is it in a nutshell realizing and it's, it, everyone i talk to that has a similar testimony to you they've all come out of this being like actually what i pursued was empty and i'm so glad i found jesus and anything in the kingdom of God was better than what I'm going through. But I didn't just receive anything. I received all of it. 
I received everything the father had. I was welcomed back as to a son. Everything the father had was mine and I didn't ask for any of it. I just said just anything. And he just, just so embraced me with open arms. So this is the gospel that we actually... Well, so Dude, go. Because um, we have a fag, so to reconcile in my mind, because none of it talks about yeah. sexuality in me. I mean, I sort of can't help the way that I am. So I'm looking into it and I think to myself, well, I mean, why is it a sin? Like, why? Why is it mm. a sin? So, because the Bible makes it very clear it is a sin, but I can't answer the question, why is it a sin? Mm. I just ask it to reconcile in my own mind, you know, because it's a bit difficult to be condemned for who you are. You know? <coughs> I, know it, it, I know it's a sin, I accept that, but I'm telling it's difficult reconciling why it is. 100%. Because no one talks about it, right? No one talks about it. No one talks about it, it's all swept under the carpet, but... I mean, now that I'm a new Christian, I have to ask, I can't understand why, you know, Mark. 100%. It's very clear, like, the offender will not end in the kingdom of heaven and all this stuff, but I'm having difficulty difficult understanding why it's a sin. Nice. Do you want to... I can't help, you know, all Protestants will say this, they can't help the way they are. So, why is it sort of they're condemned from day one, just by what the Bible says?
So that's one part, and the second part is like the the language around sexual identity is really really deep these days, and basically it says I am how I feel, like who I am, who I actually am is how I feel and who I, who I'm attracted to. And I'm gonna say, don't sell yourself short. Go deeper than that. You are not how you feel. You're so much better than that. You are a son of God. Do you know what I mean? You may have these really really strong deep feelings within your heart, within your body, like you feel so strong for something. But then God says, no, there's something deeper in you than that. You are a son. And so you can go, I feel this way. It is so strong. I've been born. I was born this way. Like, that's how I feel. It's, it, it's runs so deep within me. It's like the blood through my veins, right? That's how it might feel. I, I don't know. I don't struggle with same-sex attraction. Other TMI, might. But I don't struggle with it personally. But I imagine that's probably how it feels. <coughs> like, it's like, if someone said to me, Nate, you can't love girls anymore. I'd be like, well, that's... That's a hard thing for me to, to hear because that's mm. how I feel. So I imagine if it's the opposite way around, that would be very hard to hear. Mm. But the thing is, God will even trump over that and say, no, your identity, who you actually are in the very core is who I say you are, not how you feel. Wow. Not, your, not how your body responds, not how you think. You're deeper than that. It's more than that. So it doesn't sell you, sh- like the, the, the gospel doesn't sell you short. It actually takes you deeper. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to do a night on this. So like, oh, it, that was just a quick answer. That was just a taste to get you hungry for that. A little promo. That's the trailer. Let's go watch the movie. That's called a feature. Yeah. Can I just mention something on that? Yeah, man. I hope this doesn't open up the can further. And it's, it's, it's it probably a will. can of worms. It's, it's, been, it's actually been made a can of worms because people don't like it. Yeah. That's, that's really the reason. Yeah. I've seen a reason why a lot of things in the Bible are made a can of worms because someone puts a hand on them and goes, actually, I don't like that. Yeah. And here's what I think. And worldly opinions come in. And the way that we've been brought up in the world, the way that the world's taught us, Hollywood, magazines, newspapers, TV shows, whatever um, avenue, whatever medium you, you want to chuck in there, we've all grown up in the world and learned certain opinions and as soon as something doesn't like it instead of being humble and letting God and the word change our opinion we try and defend our opinion and change scripture and change all this stuff to, yeah. to be how we like it and then all of a sudden we're putting scripture on the shelf when we like it and when we don't yeah. and we're picking and choosing a whole bunch of stuff or manipulating it exactly yeah. um, in terms of like giving you some, some, some truth to encourage you is it no no, um, uh, what's, uh, no, no doctor with integrity, no atheist with integrity will, t- will say that people are born a homosexual. There is no, 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 no doctor, no, sci- no scientist, no doctor with integrity, no atheist with any integrity will actually say that someone is born a homosexual. Because there is no evidence for it, there is no scientific evidence, whatever. So how you how you any any sign any scientific evidence that is put forth is someone just trying to make it, someone just trying to put forth their opinion. So how you go then? Because they won't say that. Yeah, yeah. The the, the stuff that happens in people's lives. The how how is someone a drug addict? This stuff happens in someone's life that makes them choose certain things. Uh, a, a friend of mine in the states knows someone who willfully chose that to basically say F you to her parents. And she, she admits that. She says, yeah, I'm this way because I chose it. And she remembers that there's stuff that happens in, in people's lives. Um, 
but but none of those people with any integrity would, will actually say yeah there's scientific because there is none. That whole scientific theory was debunked in the in the eighties. And um, Dan, Danny and Leandra actually know someone who was in that lifestyle until they were nineteen. Well, the way I grew and up, the way I grew up, I mean, there's no way you choose that lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I didn't choose it because I mean. I mean, there's no way I would choose that with what I went through as, like when I was all your age. I mean, mm. yeah, you, you, you don't choose that lifestyle yeah. with, yeah. with back, yeah. back when I grew up in the 70s mm. and 80s. Yeah. It's not about a choice at all because you wouldn't choose to be completely out of a vilified outcast and mm. completely reject yeah. and be sober and sick out. It was against the law. Yeah. I mean, until I was 16 or something, it was against the law. So yeah. I, don't think, I don't think what you're saying is right. <coughs> I don't think it's about it. yeah. I certainly didn't choose it. All I'm saying is that there, there's stuff that happens in people's lives mm. that whether they're aware or not gets them to, to make certain decisions. Mm. There's someone that Danny and, and Leandre who's sitting in front of you, someone that they know who was in that lifestyle until they were 19. 20, 21. Until they were 21. God came, had an, a, just a radical encounter with God, instantly shifted, completely different person since that encounter. He's now married and has how many kids? Three kids? Two kids? Oh, He's not married, he's just not gay. Oh, okay. I'm talking about... When he was gay, he was gay until he was 20, and then what didn't, was not gay anymore. Yeah, yeah well, well the, the, the person I'm thinking of, mm -hmm. he had an encounter with God when he was 19. Was it 19? Who are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Pierre. Pierre and Maxine. Pierre, he definitely wasn't gay, but maybe one of their friends. Yeah, the, the guy that spoke at New Life, months ago. He said that he's read like five books on, on yeah, the topic yeah, okay. from, from Doctor. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter what He had a radical encounter when he was 19 with God. God came, totally rocked his life, completely different person since then. He's now married with, what, two kids? Two. Yeah, two kids. Uh, completely different person. You look at him and you wouldn't even know uh, that that was his life beforehand. And he's read five, uh, probably more now, I don't know, but five books from doctors that all say, no, no one is born like this. So the, the, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you and let you know that, and, and this is for anyone, like put your own topic in here. There's, there's stuff that we've all been taught growing up and there's lies that we've been sold by the enemy saying, hey, you know, this is just, just how it is. And we accept it as how it is because that's all we knew. Mm -hmm. And it's freeing to hear, hey, you've actually been lied to. Wow. This actually isn't, is, isn't your portion for your whole life and there's actually a door out there's actually freedom mm -hmm. so and I'm going to say I disagree I don't think it's a matter of choice at all so I okay. don't really have to disagree with that okay. I mean I just, I just don't think it's a matter of choice at all that's what I have to say I just want to address that actually on like well tying up it up though because we'll, we'll make this a night you know yeah. we'll yeah. have yeah. all the questions there yeah. but like, mm. maybe last I, I'm just not happy with like Dean not actually getting an answer on this thing because he's going it's not a choice I'm speaking to people who they would would have the same cool. standpoint mm -hmm. it's like it's not a choice yeah. and that's why I think well no that's not a choice no, yeah I'm sorry no like fr choice, yeah. like friends and, and it's like I, why would I actually choose this well, exactly you know I mean, and, yeah, I mean you, you don't choose that yeah and that was something like I grew up with and, and like you know See, I was supposed to be cured when I was 15 because it was a way to break the laws. I mean, I, I didn't choose that at all. No. Yeah, no. And I think, like, so I didn't choose to be a freak and an outcast and a reject where you wouldn't tell your best friend because you would have got bashed to death. I didn't choose that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And, like, so I don't. I, yeah, I think that the idea of oh, every, every person who, who walks that lifestyle chooses it. Um, I think what Jackson's touching on is, like, we can be so influenced by other things that actually come in our life. I think the biggest thing is actually in between our two ears 
and like we what Nate touched on with the feelings thing and like mindsets it's like there's actually an enemy out there and and he doesn't get he doesn't get talked about sometimes as much as this topic doesn't get talked about because people don't like talking about things they don't like talking about mm. you know what i mean mm. and, don't talk about yeah and mm. and and there's 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 an enemy who, who puts in thought puts in feelings puts in these things into our into our bodies that is contrary to truth it is it's lies and it's not stuff that belongs so there so no no i'm no. I'm, I'm saying that we can get so influenced in here that we can be convinced of a reality that's completely contrary to like, you know how we're talking about the Bible and we can know what truth is. We can get lied to our entire life and that lie becomes our reality. Mm-hmm. So it's not a choice. You just, the, the thing in the in between your two is, is you believe something that is contrary mm-hmm. to, and the thing that I want to address as well, which I spoke to with, with a few people is like, people have turned this thing gay, which is what we call a sexual behavior or a thing of, you know, that's your sexual, people call it an identity, but that's not actually your identity. Do you know what I mean? You're a son of God and, and, and your identity isn't gay. You might have that sexual behavior that is the, the grace to, to go through that kind of thing, but your sexual behavior is never your identity. Like this whole thing with addressing sin is we're separating someone's actions from who they are, who they're mm-hmm. created to be. So like if we're actually all created to be sons and Jesus came and you know, all the New Testament is we were sinners. We need to understand that, that now we are sons and daughters and, our behaviors like I used to be a drug dealer and, and take drugs all the time. I don't look at my identity as being I'm a, a drug addict. You know what I mean? So it's just like we've got to separate our actions and maybe stuff that we've done in our, our entire life. And we might have done our entire <coughs> life, you know what I mean? And we've got to separate that from who we actually are in God. So like you come to God and there can be so much like for me there was so much junk in my life, like all the sin and stuff that Luke's talked about. All the stuff's like, yep, all of that was my life, you know what I mean? And, and the reality we need to get to is that doesn't define us. And by no means, like, any of our behaviours, any of our actions, when we come to Jesus, those things aren't looked at. You know what I mean? Like the prodigal son story, the God the Father wasn't like, let me tell you about all, all the crap that you've done and all the stuff that wasn't truth and all the stuff that, you know, is contrary to the way I want you to live. No, his straightaway identity, my son's back. Mm-hmm. He was dead, now he's alive. And, and that's why I see in your eyes, man, you're alive in God. Mm. And I don't want you to walk away feeling like, oh, I've got all this crap to go through. I've got all this stuff that's apparently not okay and mm. all of these things. Mm. Like someone gave me this word once, it's like, it's so much less less important than the, to turn away from sin as it is to turn towards Jesus. Because we can't actually turn away from sin in our own strength. Mm. We need to turn to him. Yeah. And it's him who removes it. Mm. Because yeah. he's the one who dealt with it. Mm. And it's like, we might have all the understanding and knowledge of like stuff that you know we know is wrong. You know, we had that moral comes like, yeah, it's wrong and unrepentant sin, all that kind of thing, but it's never our identity. So you're not a sinner. And I, and I actually, I never put the label as any person as gay. Their mm. sexual behavior can be their same-sex attraction, but I hate labels where their identity becomes their behavior. You hate yeah, the word gay too. Yeah, it's not it's your identity. Fair. It's not your identity. Yeah. <laughs> because since when is a behavior someone's identity? I hate people who like, oh, that person's a drug addict. No, someone who struggles with not being able to stop mm-hmm. taking drugs yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and with cigarettes like any addiction it's not defining to your identity any sexual behaviour it's not defining to your identity because you're a son of God in him so it's just I didn't want there to be like a grey area thing of like oh maybe then I'm a sinner and maybe I'm this and maybe I'm gay and all these things no you're a son of God because when you come to Jesus he tells you who you are yeah. and God's thoughts about you need to be stronger than the thoughts that we have because our thoughts don't always line up with the word yeah. and we need, we need to understand how he sees us how he thinks of us because that needs to become, become our reality, because that's the truth. And that's Nate talks about that in the yeah. thing. Yeah. And like, 
you're a son of God, man, and, and no label can define you except for that. Because that's the only thing you are in Him. Amen. Nothing else. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful. In closing. <laughs> um, but honestly, it's like, this is just such a... I found this very difficult to talk about in light of everything, because especially, Dean, you weren't here for the first weeks of school, uh, school like college, <laughs> where we went through every, so much of what we're talking about now. So for me trying to bring up things like this, because all your questions are, they're so legit and so real, and there's so much I would love to talk about and continue that it's like, yeah, like honestly, we literally, I personally wanted to read you guys the whole Bible tonight. Like that was, <laughs> like, because really like that is, we need to take the entire word as a whole. And it's not about picking things out and it's not about, and it's just like, just read this and become like it and just become like the person who's written in these words. And if there's just one thing in summary, it's just like, have a heart that pursues God and pursues righteousness and pursues him. Because in that, we're justified. We're not, ju we're justified through faith, through our belief in him. And we're justified through, but like it's in here that the belief happens and it's in here and we actually going after him. And that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, and so I just, all the, the stuff on sin and everything was so much, um, we don't need to be, we don't need it. We don't need it. Like you honestly, like see the gospel for how it is, see how much Jesus loves you and just come to him and be like, actually, I don't need all these other things in my life and just pursue him until those things fall off. And until they do run, just keep going after him. There's never a day where it's just like, well, you know, it's been a month. Well, I must not have, I must have missed something. It's like, no, pursue him. Seek after him. Just keep running. Just keep running. Like Philippians 3, it says, Paul, that he was uh, earnestly, so someone just told me this. Iggy, you told me this before. Was sitting, eating. Philippians 3. Yeah, not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I forget the past. He forgets the past. Mm. And he presses on to take hold of what? Christ has already taken hold of him, and now he's, taking, he's going after me. Yeah. He's not, I'm not, I don't have it all together, but a broken and contrite heart God doesn't despise. Mm. Amen. Amen. Get him. Wow. Let's just get him. The slate's been wiped clean. Yeah. Everything that happened yesterday, we start with tomorrow. Totally. With, with now. Cool. God's for you guys. God's actually in this for you to succeed. Yeah. God's with you, otherwise you wouldn't succeed. <laughs> like there's nothing we could do outside his strength. And so he's completely with us, pushing us on. Because with God, nothing's impossible. And I want you to leave with that. That there's nothing impossible. There's no mountain in your life that can't be shifted. There's nothing in your life that can't fall away and there's nothing in your life that actually will stop you from the love of God that he has for you so pursue it um, yeah I've been all over the shop so I apologize for that but otherwise enjoy yourselves stay safe and love one another